Welcome to episode 12 of the Graham Conference Show, where I'm here to help you build an online business, work less, and live and give more. I'm your host, as always, Graham Cochran. Welcome to the show. Hopefully, you've been tuning in to a bunch of the previous episodes. If this is your first one, welcome. This is a good one. We're going to talk a little bit about phones today and how they enslave you to your work. That is strong language, but it is accurate language. I'm going to break that all down for you. Uh, I'm going to explain a little bit about my personal relationship to the phone, uh, my struggles there with, and then I'm going to talk about our culture and what I see in phones. And specifically, I'm speaking to you, the business owner, the hopeful business owner, maybe, or even the successful business owner about your relationship to your phone and how it affects your work. This is very, very important because I don't just want you to be successful monetarily. I want you to be successful in all aspects of the word in your life. I want you to be free, right? That's why we started this business was to be free, not to be more of a slave than we were when we had a nine to five. So we'll talk about what the phone's doing, some steps to improve uh, our relationship with the phone and some benefits thereof. So be super practical. Before we jump in, I want to make sure that you have jumped into my free passive income workshop. Talk about it a lot because it's super helpful. It's about 45 to 50 minutes. It is a jam-packed workshop that shows you how to make your first $1,000 a month of passive income. So this is great for two types of people. This is great for people who are brand new to business and you're like, I don't even know what business I would start, but I want this. I've been lurking a little bit, Graham, and I want to dive in. I would like to make money in a business and not only just any kind of business, a business that gives me the leverage of my time where I can slowly work less over time while my income grows way beyond $1,000 a month. I can show you how to make your first thousand a month of passive income in just 30 minutes a day. It breaks it all down for you. And so it's perfect for you if you're new and this workshop is perfect for you if you already have a business, but it is a service-based business or a highly hands-on product-based business where you are maxed out. You're working for sure 40 hours a week, but I know some of you are working 60, 70, 80 hours a week, and you need to buy back some of your time. Even if you're already making money, you might be working too much. So passive income is the way we leverage our time and not only have income freedom, which is having more money than you need, and the more money to do what you want to do, but having time freedom, and even better, in some cases, location freedom. And so passive income is a way to do that. So if you don't understand how that works, this workshop will break it all down for you. There's four main components. I teach you what those are. It give you examples of how my business and other businesses are using them, give you the best tools to use, free tools, paid tools, but I'll show you the free ones also if money's tight and you're just starting, and then give you some tips and tricks and some templates you can even follow to use those tools with those four components and create this beautiful cycle of money coming in while you nap or listen to podcasts like this. So it's all free at grahamcochran.com slash workshop. Okay, let's jump into the topic today. I was thinking about the phone and I realized that my life can be divided up into two eras. You've got BIP and AIP, right? Before iPhone and after iPhone, okay? For me, that was the year 2011. In the year of our Lord 2011, Graham got an iPhone. So iPhone came out 2007, 
I remember because I watched the keynote live when I was supposed to be working at my job. Don't tell my boss, but it's okay. They they fired me a long time ago when they completely demolished our entire department. So that's how much I did not like my job. I was basically watching uh, Steve Jobs give the keynote in January of t- 2007. And uh, he, it was just one of the most classic keynotes. You should go watch it on YouTube when he unveils the iPhone. It's just, it's classic salesmanship, perfectly executed. Everyone's hanging on the edge of every word he says, and it's just flawless delivery. Um, I was super excited because I knew that this was a game-changing product. It made a lot more sense compared to the BlackBerry, compared to other quote-unquote smartphones back in the early to mid-2000s. It was too expensive for a kid like me, not making any money, um, not even just the phone, because the phone wasn't subsidized at all at the time. And, but the the data plan was insane. I just I didn't want that monthly bill. So it took me four years after the iPhone came out to finally buy one. Um, sold some equipment, some audio equipment, paid cash for an iPhone, and I was able to afford the data package for it. So I remember what it felt like in 2011 to have that iPhone, okay? You know, it was, this is, I don't know what, this is the iPhone 8, I guess. It's a couple years old now, but it was the iPhone 4 was the first one I had. It was tiny, thick, but it was awesome. And and what it did, it was like this glorious awakening is how it felt in 2011. I felt superhuman because I had Google Maps in my pocket. I had Yelp, right? Yelp is like a lifesaver, especially if you're in a town you don't know. And uh, I had a web browser. I mean, it's like that I could get around, I could find good food, and then I could look up anything I ever wanted to look up while I was out and about. And I even remember uh, my wife, Shay, was doing wedding photography at the time, and she had a wedding down in Naples, Florida, which is, I don't know, three hours away, two and a half hours away, two hours um, from where we are in Tampa. And my daughter, Chloe, was two years old, and we said, well, let's just all go down together. You know, Shay, you can shoot the wedding. And on the day of the wedding, I'll take Chloe out. And we'll just explore Naples. And then we'll make it a trip to Naples. It basically was a free trip, free hotel, some stipend, obviously for food and stuff. And then she got paid. So I remember uh, it was my first road trip where I actually had a, an iPhone. And so Shay goes to the wedding venue on the beach. And uh, I'm here with my two-year-old daughter. And I'm like, can we go to the movies? And I could grab my phone. This was like, game-changing, right? I could grab my phone, find a local movie theater in a town I'd never been in, look up what the movie times were, go to the movie theater, and then enjoy it, and then go find a restaurant, and then make my way back to the hotel because I had the GPS. I felt superhuman. And that is a huge part of why an iPhone exists or any smartphone exists is why don't we leverage the technology that we have to make our lives better? Right? Those are simple, silly examples of being able to make our lives better with the phone. The problem for me, for many other people, is that quickly the smartphone, and you remember this if you were old enough to know what you had before your smartphone and after your smartphone, quickly we learned a lesson about smartphones, that they're a lot like fire. Have you ever thought about that? Fire is a very interesting thing. Fire, when controlled, can be a very good thing. It can cook your food and it can heat your house, keep you warm. Fire, when it gets out of control, can burn your entire life to the ground. So is fire the problem? Should we outlaw fire? 
No, fire is not the problem. Use of the fire, respect of the fire is what we're talking about. Are phones the problem? I don't think so. I think we just invented a new fire, okay? This thing can dramatically enhance your quality of life, okay? You might be watching me or listening to me on a phone, okay? The phone has allowed my business to thrive. The phone has allowed my quality of life to soar, okay? The phone has allowed me to watch stupid, funny things and get a laugh on YouTube. But when it's not controlled, when it's not controlled, when we don't respect the danger inside this little thing, it can burn our life to the ground. And that's what it's doing to millions, millions of people of the wealthy in the world. And if you have a smartphone, you are wealthy. Of the wealthy in the world, we're playing with fire. And we just need to realize that that's what we're doing. And plenty of people smarter than me, more researched than me have spoken at great length about the dangers of phones. So I don't want to just rehash what other people have said. Instead, I want to just share my perspective of dealing with phones as it relates to you and myself as business owners and why I think the phone is enslaving us to our work. Okay, it's, it's dramatic language, but I want to qualify it. Um, we used to leave work at work, whether you, whether you worked for somebody else or you you have a business. We we used to, it was possible at one point to leave work at work. Okay, when when I came home from work, when I was working at a software company in the mid 2000s, 06, 07, 08, when I left my office and came home, I was home. There, there was no more work to be done. Um, I could hang out with my wife. I could watch Lost on Netflix, right? Because that show's freaking awesome. I love J.J. Abrams. Um, I could play my Nintendo GameCube and play Fantasy Star Online because that game is awesome. And I'm slightly ashamed that I now told you that I played a game called Fantasy Star Online spelled with a P-H. Fantasy. Dude, that was awesome. Simple life, you know, hang out with friends, have dinner, go for a walk. Because I wasn't at work anymore, which sounds very obvious, okay? After smartphones took over the world, things changed. Especially when I started a business. So I started a business even before my iPhone, I had an iPhone. 09, I started the recording revolution, 2009. So even then in the heels of, off the heels of starting a business and just scrambling to make a living, I still didn't have a smartphone. Now I worked at home, so I was kind of, I could never really leave work, which has kind of been my reality for the longest time. But still, when I left the computer, shut the laptop down, I was home. There was no phone in my pocket. There was no me sitting on the couch while we're watching something and I'm like looking. There's none of that. Nowadays though, for you, for me, I mean, tell me if any of this rings true. Now, you can't leave work at work because it follows you. Not only does it follow you home, right? You're checking stuff at home. 
You're taking calls. You're still responding to emails. We'll get into that. But your work follows you to the bathroom. You, you know what I'm talking, you know I'm talking to you. You take your phone to the bathroom, okay? Just finish that one email. I'll just check that one response. Your work through your phone follows you to the bathroom. It follows you on your lunch break. It follows you in your car ride home, on your commute home. You still haven't left work because it is right there with you in your pocket or in your purse or sitting on the seat next to you. The phone, your little friend, is bringing work with you wherever you go, unless you tell it otherwise, which we'll get into in a second. That's awful. Work is a beautiful thing. Work is a privilege. There are a lot of people in this world who would love to work, who do not have an opportunity to work. Business, owning a business is a wonderful privilege. I live in a country, and hopefully you live in a country, that has laws in place that allow you to start and run a business and have ownership and have rights and have trademarks and copyright and be able to create products and services uh, where there are even tax advantages to providing jobs or providing products or services. So you're allowed to flourish. That is a beautiful right, but there's plenty of people that don't have that opportunity to start a business or there's so many more roadblocks in their way. So if you have a business, if you have work, that is a great thing. I love work when it's in its proper place. But when you bring that business and that work home with you every single night into the bathroom, into your marriage bed, into your dining room table, at your kid's soccer game, at your kid's dance recital, on your vacation, this is, and I'm not trying to come down on you. Let me tell you a story. This was even before the phone. I remember I couldn't go on a three-day beach vacation with my family. We just rent a condo up on the panhandle of Florida for three days. I couldn't go on a beach vacation for three days without needing to do some email. Brought my laptop. My wife's like, what are you doing? I'm like, babe, I've got a, I've got a business. I've got to take care of my customers. So are you serious? Yeah, that was me. That's not vacation. That's just bringing your work to the beach. Now, some people are like, that's great. I'd love to work on the beach. Well, yeah, working on the beach is better than working in a cubicle. But when I'm at the beach, I want to be at the beach. Okay, right now where I'm filming this, we uh, we have a condo that we work out of a couple days a week downtown. And there's an awesome pool. Like I'm uh, right now, I look down and a bunch of floors down, there's the whole pool area. And so it's funny is there's a lot of, young working professionals in this building. Um, and they love to go out to the pool and lay out. And I see laptops and phones. I see people with multiple phones and a laptop just going for it poolside in their bathing suit, sunglasses. And I, I look down, I look, like we have beautiful floor to ceiling windows. And I look down at the pool and I look at these people and I think, man, they are happily enslaved to their work. And that's a judgment. I understand the Bible says, judge not lest you be judged, but I don't know how they think about it. But I do know that if you're going to go to the pool, go to the pool, man, lay out, rest, relax, recoup before you go back to work tomorrow. Don't bring your work to the pool. That's, that is, that's like a glamorous looking slavery. So 
this, this is a problem because we're always on. We're always on. When your phone can bring your work with you wherever you go, you're always on. And when you're always on, it's a guarantee you're going to burn out at some point. And some of us have more stamina than others. So maybe it won't take you very long for some people, but it'll take a long time for others. Eventually, though, you will burn out. And then what that looks like could be a myriad of things. It could be your marriage fails, you, you, you have distance with you and your kids. It could be that you quit your business when the business wasn't the problem. It was the fire you were carrying around in your pocket, the phone. When we're burned out, we do irrational things. We react, we become dramatic because the pain is so real and we're so exhausted. Like your adrenal glands could blow out, literally, that can happen to you. And so you do whatever it takes, and that may not be the best thing for your business or your life long-term, but you do drastic things because you're at a drastic point. I don't want you to get there. I, I know, I haven't even, look, I'm young. I've only been in business, in this business for 10 years. 10 years might seem like a long time to some of you. It's not that long. I don't even quite know the toll of true burnout over a 40-year career, but I do know that it takes time to become successful. You don't want to be focusing on how can I make money as fast as possible. True business is, is a multiple decades game. And then the only way to sustain multiple decades of faithful service to other people and innovation and creativity and hard work is to not burn out. So we got to stop carrying our work in our pockets everywhere we go. So that was the long preachy preface. If you haven't tuned out yet, Let's get practical. I want to share first four ways that your phone, specifically, four specific ways your phone is keeping you enslaved to your work. Then I'm going to share three steps to free yourself from your phone and then three benefits from being off your phone more. And hopefully, hopefully you'll get one thing out of this. You don't have to remember all of this. You don't even have to resonate with all of this. But my hope is that in this one episode, you get one takeaway that helps you in your relationship with your phone. So four ways your phone's keeping you slave to your work. One, push notifications for email. Push notifications in general, and I'll get to a couple of those in a minute, but push notifications for email are of the devil, and I'm pretty sure I've said that before in my content. There is no reason on God's green earth that you need to have an email pushed to your phone. There just, there just literally is no reason. If if you can come up with a real reason, email me, graham at grahamcochran.com, okay? Let me know. I won't see the email because I won't get the push notification, but when I get in there and check it, I will see your reason for needing a push notification on email. Listen, email is a powerful, important tool. I make a lot of money sending emails. I want people to open my emails. I need to open emails too, from business partners, from potential ventures, from customers that need a refund, right? Email is super important. It is probably the main channel of communication I use with my team, with my customers, with the world. I actually kind of like email. It feels good to get an email from someone. Ooh. But I also know that email will destroy my life. It will ruin my vacations. It will ruin everything if I'm constantly an email. 
It is hard enough to not be in email very often, let alone to have email pushed to your phone the moment somebody sends something to you. The whole idea of push notifications is a it's a giant trap because it is an interruption-based tool. That's all it is. It literally is designed to interrupt you. That, that's obviously the point. It pushes a notification to bing on your phone. You, it feel, you feel a buzz in your pocket or it bings. And what do you do? You, you're talking to your spouse. Hold on, babe. You look at your phone. Huh. FedEx couldn't deliver the thing today. Oh, okay. You just lost not only 10 seconds of your life, but you interrupted your conversation with your spouse or your child or your brother or sister or mom or dad. Or you're at the dinner table and your phone's binging. Hopefully you're not looking at it while you're having dinner with your family or even by yourself. There is no reason why you should be reading emails while you're sitting to have a meal. Meal time should be for meal time. This might sound radical in today's day and age, but this was very normative for all of human history. So push notifications for email not only are pointless, but they're harming your life. If you're a business owner, this is super dangerous because email is probably very important. You probably have a client that has a request customer who's dissatisfied, what happens when it's Saturday morning and you're at the park with your family or you're riding your bike with your friends on Bayshore Boulevard in Tampa and enjoying a beautiful day looking at the bay and you get a bing in your pocket and you take a look at it for a split second and it's an email from a client who's slightly upset with something that you did or a customer who's super demanding or there's something wrong with their login. Even if it's not a major fire to put out, the fact that you now, you're not at work, you're enjoying your Saturday, hopefully, now all of a sudden you're mentally thrust back into work. You're not there physically, that's good, but now you're enslaved in your mind because you can't help but think about it. Even if it's a small fire, not a big deal, just the customer's having a problem with your login, you're like, man, I... I don't want them to have a problem with their login. And it's probably an easy fix. I could probably just get on and just resend them a new password or whatever the thing is. Either way, fast or small, big problem, little problem, easy to fix. You can't fix it. A team member has to fix it. Whatever the case, you're thinking about it. And so you're no longer there. It's just stolen. That that little push, the little email push notification on your phone has stolen part of your Saturday. It could take you a solid 30 minutes to an hour to come off of that, put it out of your mind, and go back on with the rest of your day. Or, depending on your personality, you might linger on that problem. And depending on how severe the issue is, you might linger thinking about it all day long. And so now, you're not even at work, but work has followed you home, and it's just drawing you back in. Again, I like work. I like doing this for you. This is work. It doesn't feel like a bummer to me to do it, but I don't want to be thinking about the podcast on a Saturday. You know what I'm saying? The other problem is, even if you don't have push notifications, just having your email app on your phone is a giant temptation to just press the button and look and see if anything new has popped in. 
Let me just see if I've gotten any emails. The temptation is still there. I struggle with that a ton. An email that's positive is like a dopamine hit of affirmation. Oh, you're doing a great job, Graham. Also, the email inbox is like a place where opportunities show up. I've had many cool opportunities show up in my inbox over the last 10 years. And so I view the inbox as the sacred place of expectation. Maybe today I'll get an email from someone really important that says, Graham, I need you. I want to give you a million dollars if you'll just, I don't know, whatever it is, opportunity awaits. And so I have that temptation to want to just literally check. I don't get email notifications, but I still have that temptation to hit that button and just look, just see if anything new has happened. So push notifications for email are enslaving you to your work, especially if you have a team of people and they need something from you. You don't need to know. You don't need to know when you're not working. You can find out on Monday morning or whenever you get back in there. All right. Push notifications for Facebook Messenger and Instagram. Let's say that. Instagram DM. Let's lump those two together because they're virtually the same thing. You, You can be basically having ongoing conversations with Messenger and Instagram. And in a lot of ways, that's where many of you are. A lot of you are doing your communication that way. Um it's even worse than email because it's even more casual. It's more like ongoing chat. And so a lot of times, and maybe this is how you view it, you view it as just like texting back and forth. Well, that doesn't make it any better in my mind because I think texting is of the devil too, but I'm also a weirdo. So again, you could be at church on Sunday. You could be at your daughter's soccer game. You could be out on a really hot date on Friday night and then Facebook Messenger bings your phone and it's your little mastermind group of like-minded entrepreneurs like I'm a part of. These are people that I want to learn from. I want to hear what they're talking about. They're not annoying me at all. But if I get that Facebook Messenger group message binging at me, and I'm on a date with my wife, or I'm at church, or I'm at my daughter's soccer game, and I look at my phone, I want to, I kind of want to engage in the conversation. And so now I'm tempted to like choose them over my family when it's supposed to be my family, or my date, or my God, if I'm at church, right? Because that's where I'm at right now. My attention can only be in really one place at a time. Yeah, there's a term called multitasking, but the studies keep showing that it's not very effective. So really, it's because your attention can really only be in one place at a time. So if you've chosen to land your attention at your kid's soccer game, at on your hot date, you know, on a family road trip, at church, wherever you are, that's where you've chosen to give your attention, not to your buddies on Facebook Messenger, not to that client that you're wooing on Facebook Messenger, not to that Instagram celebrity that DM'd you back. Praise the Lord. You know, it's like... That's That can wait. But when it's pushed to your phone, you're just playing with fire because we know that it's dangerous. We know that we don't want to wait. We know we want to respond or at least look. We just want to look and see. What, what was the message? What did they say? And that's just the danger. It's it's We know what we want, so why don't we set ourselves up for success? We don't. These things are keeping us enslaved to our work. And then Instagram by itself is a third way, just like, and I'll, I'll lump an Instagram to ba- basically be the the bad guy for all of social media. When you're just getting 
notifications or just even looking at Instagram, just scrolling through, even if you don't get notifications, what that does is, and we know this, it creates the comparison trap. Now, for a business owner, the comparison trap is very interesting. I don't know if you've identified with this. I will, okay, I'll give you an example. There is a buddy, a buddy of mine who, super successful business owner, um, and I've met him earlier this year, so we're newer friends, and I started to follow him on Facebook, and I was scrolling through it one day, and I saw either a video he posted or a post he posted about um, how he couldn't get any work done one day, and he just went to the movies instead. And uh, I was thinking, dang, I want to go to the movies instead of work. I freaking love going to the movies. And even though I can do that if I want to, the few weeks that I was, when I saw this, the way my work was set up, even in my limited work hours, those hours were fully spoken for. And there really wasn't a lot of margin for me to just like say, nah, I'm not going to do this today. I'm just going to go watch a movie. And so I resented my work situation because of his awesome day, right? This is a classic social media. But as a business owner, I was like, dang, what's wrong with my business? And I was like, I got to automate even more. Or I got I to gotta make more money so I don't even need to be working at all anymore so I can go to the movies every single day, multiple times a day if I want to. So the point is it just put me into a tailspin of resentment in comparison of his business to my business. I mean, I, I've had people, I don't know if they resent me, but I've had people say, hey man, your Instagram pictures looked awesome when you're on such and such a trip or whatever and like kind of jealous, haha. And they're being nice, but I wonder if like it's actually really rough on them because they're working hard and then they see me taking a trip or whatever and they have, you know, they have no context for necessarily what my work life is truly like or you know, they could take a vacation too. It just happened to be that I was on vacation that week and they weren't. Maybe they'll be on vacation the next week. I don't know, but they could easily resent me just by looking at Instagram. Maybe they shouldn't follow me. Maybe you shouldn't follow me. Who, who says that? Who says that these days? Maybe, yeah, maybe you shouldn't follow me. If it causes you to resent your work situation, your business situation, don't follow me. <laughs> I try not to boast. I try to share things that will challenge you. Everything I share on, on Instagram for the most part is highly intentional to continue to push a certain message. And you can pay it, if you pay attention, you'll see. Even just my family photos, even just certain things. I have an agenda. Newsflash, I have an agenda. The agenda isn't to harm you, by the way, or steal anything from you. It's to actually set you free. Okay. I am on a mission to change the way entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, freelancers, side business people think about work and business and have a more integrated view of your work, not compartmentalize it. Here's my work. Here's my family. They all affect each other. There's got to be balance and coordination and intentionality. And I'm on a mission. I have an agenda to promote certain values and promote certain worldviews and promote certain things that I think will truly bring you life and joy and freedom and actually make the world a better place. So if you pay attention to my Instagram following, you'll see that peppered in. But if it causes you to resent me and hate your life and resent your business, 
Unfollow me. I'm not sad. I won't even know. I won't even know. I don't pay attention to those stats because that's stupid. You should never pay attention to who unfollows you. Anyway, that's a side tangent. Okay, last way your phone is keeping you a slave to your work. This one is the one I struggle with the most. Your phone gives you the ability to quickly check sales and revenue numbers. If you think about it, BIP, before iPhone, prior to 2007, for some of you, there was no way, unless you were in the office or you had a computer at home that could hack into your network at the office, there was no way for you to, in a second, pull up the most accurate data on your sales and revenue. How are we doing this month? How are we comparing to this month last year? What's the year to date so far? You, you know, you only could check that when you were at work, which is a reasonable thing to do. But now, this is how bad it is. The worst it's gotten was when I literally, I'll be at church and then I'll go to the bathroom, right? Like maybe before the service or after the service or something. And uh, while I'm in the bathroom at church, pull up my phone, go to the homepage and find uh, Stripe, good old Stripe, open up that app, give me that one click. How are my sales doing today? How much money have I made today while I'm at church? I literally will check that junk. And then I'll check, okay, how am I pacing for the month? Okay, I'm pacing pretty good compared to last month. Come on, come on, Graham. How low have you fallen, Graham? that you're at church in the bathroom sheepishly checking your Stripe account to see how much money you're making while you're worshiping Jesus. Come on now. That's what I've done multiple times. On vacation, check Stripe. What good is that going to do? It's going to do no good. Only one of two things are going to happen. You're either going to see a number that makes you happy, and then you're just training yourself to only be content and happy when you see the numbers you want to see. And I am speaking from experience. That is a death trap. There have been seasons in my business where sales have gone way down for no reason that I can find. Maybe Google changed their algorithm. Maybe my content just wasn't resonating, even though I felt like it was no different than what it was before. Maybe God just didn't want my business to do very well. Either way, in that season, I freaked because I was looking at the data all the time. Unhappy, unhappy, unhappy. And so it's freaking me out, freaking me out. But if you get the positive number and you're like, ah, now I'm happy, then you've trained yourself to only be happy when you see a positive number as opposed to maybe you're still doing the right things or the numbers aren't what you want to see, but you're still doing the right long-term things. That's hard. But that's important to not be trained to just see the positive number and then, then be happy. You should be happy and have peace because you know you're doing work that matters. You know you're doing strategic work, work that I'm trying to teach you how to do. The work that you know is correct, even if you don't see the numbers yet, and then give it time for the numbers to turn around, right? So you don't want to be hooked to your Stripe account or wherever you get your sales data and look at it, and then that's what makes you happy. And then the opposite is true, like I just said. When you look at that number and you're on vacation and you check it and the sales are down, well, what have you just done? Now you're thinking about, is there, should I be writing better emails? Do I need to redo the sales copy on my page? I know what I need to do. I need more Instagram followers. What do I got to do to get more Instagram followers? You know, you know what I need to do? 
I need to run Facebook ads. Or if I'm running Facebook ads, I need to run more. Like now your brain is in a million places where it shouldn't be. Because A, you might not need to be doing anything different, but B, you shouldn't know what to the minute your sales data is while you're on vacation or like Graham in the church bathroom. This is ridiculous. I am now a slave to my business because it has followed me into the church bathroom and I'm either happy or sad in that bathroom based off the numbers I see. So having access, we never had that before. You could never check your sales data. Like you'd have to pull up your, you know, like QuickBooks account or whatever online back in the office. So I'd check it on Monday. Back then, your addiction would only be five days long, typically. You could check it all day, every day, Monday through Friday, but at least on the weekends and vacation, you wouldn't know. But now I can check it every second of every day. You see the picture that I'm painting here? All right, let me give you quick, quickly, so we can wrap this up, three steps to free yourself from your phone and the three benefits from being off your phone more. Step number one to free yourself. If any of this is resonating, if, if none of this is resonating, you're like, Graham, I think you're just old-fashioned. I think you're just, I think you're a little naive. I think you're you're dealing with your own issues and projecting them on the rest of us. Well, doggone it. This is the Graham Cochran Show. I can say whatever I want to say, okay? But also, I think I know what I'm talking about. Again, this thing is like fire. This phone is like fire. There's nothing wrong with the phone. I'm not getting rid of my phone. I haven't gone back to a flip phone. I know people who've gone back to a flip phone. They're smart. They've done whatever they have to do to protect themselves from whatever they need to protect themselves. They respect the phone. I think though that like getting rid of the phone for me is like saying fire is too dangerous. I'm not going to have it in my house. It's the same with money, by the way. There's people that are afraid of wealth because they see the danger that wealth has. Not only does the Bible warn about the dangers of wealth, but just look at our economy at times. Look at our world. Wealth can change people. It can be dangerous to relationships and families and businesses. So there's people that look at wealth the same way as fire. Too dangerous, let's get rid of it. But no, but fire is useful. Wealth is useful. A phone is useful. So I'm not, I don't want to get rid of it. I just want to respect the reality of the danger of the fire, of the wealth, of the phone. You see what I'm saying? So I'm going to keep the phone. I'm going to give you permission to keep the phone. I'm just going to give you three steps to free yourself from being as enslaved to your phone as we currently are. Number one, turn off all notifications on your phone except for calls and texts. Okay, There should be not a single app on your phone that you have notifications for. Phone calls, of course. Otherwise, you won't know that the call is coming in. And text is okay. But if you get a lot of texts like my wife does because she's more popular than I am, you might need to become friends with the do not disturb function on your iPhone or Android. I still love you. Because do not disturb is at least when you're at work, like right now, if I'm going to be doing a podcast with you, I should just turn my phone on do not disturb because guess what? I, I'm not even going to look at the text because right now I'm having a conversation with my friend, you. My other friend on my phone, I, I can talk to him or her later. But you and I are having a conversation right now. Now, that's all that matters, so I don't want to be disturbed. So if you're going to do work blocks, um, it's smart to then set your phone on do not disturb so you don't even get a ton of texts if you get a ton of texts. I don't get a ton of texts. Nobody texts me, okay? I must not have enough friends like my wife. But if you get a ton of texts, set up do not disturb, and that way you can do an hour, two-hour block, bang out your work, and then you can check your phone and respond to texts on your break 
So you should take a break and then get back into work. Do not disturb, bang out some work. Super, super good. All right, so that's number one. Delete all notifications, all. You don't need ESPN binging you. You don't need the news app binging you the moment that something else bad happened in the world. Like, read the news, know what's happening, but you don't need to know the moment it's happening, okay? Number two, delete the whole email app off your phone if you are tempted to check manually multiple times a day or outside work hours. This is where I struggle. I don't have notifications for anything on my phone, but my temptation is to check email when I'm at home. I've already had a day at the office. I've already been able to take care of my work. But when I find myself reaching for that phone and hitting that Gmail button, that's when I know it's time to delete that app. So I'm like, oh, I don't want to go to the app store and like wait for that darn thing to read. And after, what's my login from email? Uh, forget it. That's a good boundary to protect yourself, okay? So delete email off your phone completely if you're checking it manually multiple times a day because you don't need to be checking email multiple times a day. You know how many times I do email? Once a day, if I even get into it. But that's my goal, once a day, okay? Batch email once a day. That's all you need. And then number three, get a phone basket. Get a phone basket for when you're at home and then put your phone to bed. Put your phone to bed in that little basket. Literally, it could be a basket. It could be a box. It could be a little mat or a charging pad that's just kind of out of the way. Just please put your phone away. Have a designated space for it physically, okay? Not, not just like I'm going to set it down and not mess with it. That's too vague. You're going to find it and mess with it. Have a specific place. My daughter for Father's Day actually designed this little uh, basket. It's, I think it's meant for your keys. I think it's a little too small for a phone but it's meant for like your keys or wallet or whatever. And it's like a little dish that she made and painted. And she put the recording revolution on it. And like my, my business's lo uh, logo colors, brand colors is pretty sweet. Um, but it's just about big enough that I can, I can make it my new phone basket and put it in the room and just set it down. So when I come home, I'm just going to help with my wife in the kitchen. I'm going to help get my kids on the piano practice and doing homework or just having happy hour or just cleaning up some dishes or just sitting and playing with them or just being or catching up my wife from the day, I'm not even tempted to look at my phone because I put my phone to bed. And I'll go check in a couple hours if I need to see if I missed any calls or texts from my mom or someone important, okay? And finally, why go through all this trouble? Why are we doing this? What's the benefit of being off your phone more? I think you know this. I think you know this, but in case you don't, I'm going to reiterate it here for you because everything I teach you is because there's a benefit for you and the, there's something in it for you, okay? You, you want your life to be better. You want to grow and improve. I do too. We want things to get better than they are. So if I'm going to do hard things or when I'm going to do things that are against my nature or against culture or things that are hard or they're going to take some discipline, there's got to be a payoff for it. And there usually is. The payoff for being off your phone more, there's three big ones, there's probably a million. The three that come to mind are, number one, you are more present with the people you love most, period, period. When you're not on your phone, when you're not distracted, when you're not thinking about what you just saw on your phone even 30 minutes ago, you can be more physically in the moment and more mentally in the moment right there with the people you, you care about the most. That could be family, for sure. That could be friends, for sure. Hey, let's go back to the family. If you have kids, they see you on your phone. Believe me. And if you have kids, 
They see how mentally distracted you are if you are a business owner who checks their phone when you come home. Because I know you got a million things to think about because I'm a business owner. I run two businesses and then I try to help my wife with her businesses. We're always thinking about business. It's the curse. There's so many blessings, but it's the curse of owning your own business is you are mentally responsible for it. You can't just clock in and clock out and be like, see y'all suckers, I'll be back next week. You can't, that is the curse. So I already know how hard it is without a phone. Imagine with the phone where you're constantly checking it. Your kids see your brain. They see this wheel spinning, this gears turning, and it is rough, rough, rough because they know that you're not there for them. You might be there for them physically, but you're not there for them mentally in that moment. And that's a little dramatic, but I don't want to spend my most precious years of my kid's life where they're under my roof, where I wasn't there mentally. I was there physically a ton. But like, yeah, dad was around, but we never really talked much or engaged much or he didn't really remember stuff. Ugh, that drive me nuts. And so that's family, friends for sure. Your friends notice. They notice when you're distracted. You're not a good friend when you're distracted, when you're looking at your phone or when you're thinking about your stuff on your phone. You're not a good friend. So it's worth it to your friends. You owe it to your friends to get off your phone more. Work relationships, business relationships, just any people you come across with, you will be more present when you've gotten off your phone more. And then you're of more value and you're more appealing to people, honestly. You're more magnetic because you're literally locked into them. Number two, you have more peace. When you're off your phone more, you have more peace because you actually get to leave work at work and then shift into rest and play. It's a big difference. There's work, there's rest, and there's play. And those are very important and they should be distinct. I don't like this whole idea of doing it all at once because it's just a lie. <clears throat> it's just a lie that like, yeah, I can have... My kids can play, I got my laptop open, do a little bit of work. I mean, if it's an emergency, I guess, but that's just a lie you're telling yourself that you can work while you're resting and playing. You're having a diluted life. Your work is diluted and your rest and your play is diluted. The only way to really thrive is to do things and see how they affect each other because they do and then do your work and then leave work at work and then rest and play and then when you leave rest and play, you're at work and they respect each other. It's the only way to do it. And the more you do that, you're off your phone, you don't have the push notifications and you put it to bed in your little phone basket. When you come home and you rest and you play with your family, your friends, your community, you have way more peace. Because you know what? I did all I could do this week in my business. Now I'm going to rest and, and I'll come back on Monday or whenever you go back, and I'm going to tackle it some more. And third, third benefit, being off your phone, last one, and then we're done. You're more focused when you work. You're more focused when you work. And what's the benefit of that? Well, that leads to increased productivity, which leads to increased profit. The way I have been able to take my business operating hours from 36 hours a week to five for Recording Revolution, I work 20 hours a week two businesses, and then I, I schedule meetings and stuff and calls and podcasts in those 20 hours. But the recording revolution, my, my first business, I've whittled it down from 36 hours and making no money to five hours and doing seven figures. How is that possible? This focus, just eliminating a lot of 
the unneeded work for sure. But then when I've figured out, as Tim Ferriss would say, the minimum effective dose for your work, the only way I'm able to accomplish that work in a short amount of time is to be hyper-focused. And the only way I do that is to be off this phone thing, to not mix and mingle work and play. Just just let me work for a couple hours and, and, and be really, really focused. And when you're really, really focused, you're focused usually on the right things because you've had to think about it. Like, okay, I have limited time. I'm going to spend it strategically. And that productivity and focus leads to increased profits because you're just banging out the 20% that leads to the 80%. It all works together. You can grow your business by working less. It's a miracle of miracles. Even if you don't believe me, it's true. But that comes from focus. Many of you, and I know this because I speak to a lot of you, are saying, Graham, I can never cut my hours back. I'm too busy. You're too busy because you're not doing good work. It's really unfocused, sloppy mental work. And it's because, in large part, you're on your phone a lot or you're letting the distractions and the notifications come through. So no wonder you can't bang out a lot of stuff. No wonder you can't operate at peak performance because you're so distracted. Getting off your phone gives you that focus, which leads to increased productivity and profits. Okay, let me ask you a question and then we're done here. If you're honest with yourself and your relationship with your phone, if you have a smartphone, what do you think is the number one culprit for you? The number one thing that you have on your phone or do on your phone or relationship you have with your phone that's keeping you from being present, from being focused, from being productive, from having peace? Is it email? Is it Instagram? Is it just notifications from YouTube comments? What, like, what is it for you? What's that one thing? Is it checking your sales revenue? Is it checking your, your email list subscriptions when somebody subscribes or cancels or unsubscribes? What's, the, what's like the biggest culprit? And then what's one change you're going to make after listening to this? What's one change you're going to make with your relationship with your phone so that you can be a little bit more free I'd love to know. I'd love to know. Shoot me an email if you're listening to the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, leave me a comment. Let me know. What are you going to do differently? I would like to know. For me, the number one culprit is email. I check it too often, and I think about it too often. What am I going to do with that? Probably delete the email app more often than not, and just try not to check email on my phone. You can hold me accountable, and I'll try to hold you accountable. That's it, my friend. As always, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Thanks for taking time out of your day to dive into this conversation. I hope it's been fruitful for you and helpful to you. As always, I'm honored, 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 honored to have your ear, and I'm pumped for some awesome episodes coming up. If you haven't already subscribed on iTunes, please do. That means a lot to me. And... If you like what you're listening to and you're an iTunes person, leave me a review. Leave me a review. Let me know what about the show you love the most and uh, what do you want to see on a future episode. I'll cover it. Have a great week. Get off your phone and go actually live your life in the real world. I'll see you in another episode real soon.